this is Master Jati. Welcome to my podcast, Exponential Intelligence. Uh, today we have a fantastic guest, Lynn McTaggart. Uh, you know, Lynn and I, we've been around here and there, and you know, throughout the years, we've our our paths are merging closer and closer. And so, I'm really excited to bring her on to the podcast. Uh, I bring very few people onto the podcast uh, for for specific reasons. Uh, Lynn seems to have say made it uh, into our podcast. So, uh, I want to congratulate Lynn on that. Uh, about Lynn, uh, some, a lot of you might know about Lynn McTaggart, but for those who don't, uh, Lynn is an international best-selling author uh, and a dynamic, inspirational speaker who's consistently voted one of the world's top 100 spiritual leaders for her groundbreaking work with consciousness and the power of intention. She's chiefly known for the quality of her writing and in-depth research and her books, The Field, the intention experiment and and the bond all international sensations and now in 30 languages are now considered uh, uh, seminal classics of the new science she's also architect of the intention experiment a global laboratory involving thousands of readers around the world testing the power of group thought to heal the world which dan brown featured by name in his blockbuster the lost symbol so Lynn speaks uh, around the world, or she used to, uh, but now I'm sure she does uh, tele-seminars like we're doing the health show together, uh, the Get Well show. Um, so Lynn, uh, uh, thanks for uh, taking the time to visit with us. Thank you very much, Maz, and thank you for that introduction. Oh, you're so welcome. So let's just jump right into it. I know, you know, I'm excited about, uh, you know, the, the show that we're putting together. Do you want to just talk a, a little, a little brief about that? Because it, it's not just, you know, another like health show or another, you know, spiritual show or anything like that. I think it's kind of like a show of a new, the new consciousness is from what I'm getting. So well, I don't know if you want to you. talk about that. Well, you know, I have two hats, Mass. One of them is you know, my books, Uh, and you mentioned a load of them, and I've got uh, a newer book called The Power of Eight, um, Mm -hmm. which is all about the power of intention in small groups. But the other hat I wear is, and I've been wearing it for 30 years, is as editorial director of a magazine called What Doctors Don't Tell You. Mm -hmm. Now, for 30 years, we've been writing about what works and what doesn't work in conventional and alternative medicine. Mm-hmm. And we've been showcasing and highlighting amazing therapies, holistic therapies that are demonstrated to work. And mm-hmm. we only really like to write about uh, organizations, individuals, and um, modalities that have a, you know, some evidence of working. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we got an idea together a couple of years ago that wouldn't it be great if people could actually have a one-stop destination, mm-hmm. enabling them to meet all of these incredible, exciting, holistic therapists who are doing incredible things to heal all the major illnesses out there. And this is everything from uh, uh, top integrative doctors to people using um, um, a variety of alternative methods, everything from Qigong and acupuncture to energy systems like yours. Mm -hmm. So, So we decided to do this last February, and we actually had a physical show, as you well know, since you presented there. And 
Um, we had a show at Olympia in London. And now with the lockdown, we were going to do another show and, and roll it out to Los Angeles as well as London. But with the lockdown, we said, hey, let's do a virtual show. So we're doing that. And we've got amazing experts who are going to be talking about everything from pain, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, uh, avoiding surgery with spine and joints, um, how to treat menopause, how to treat children's physical and mental health. We've got people right. who reverse ADHD, others who reverse autism routinely. Mm -hmm dealing with Lyme disease, serious life-threatening illness, COVID, and how to deal with that, prevent it, and treat it, even if you have underlying health conditions, mental mm -hmm. health, autoimmune, endocrine systems, you name it. We've got somebody there who is successfully treating it, including you. Yeah, and, and it's really a fantastic opportunity. Uh, I, again, you know, what I do is, and, you know, just to, just to clarify, guys, um, I'm not a doctor or anything like that, and, and, um, but, uh, and neither is Lynn, uh, but she has, you know, qualified doctors and people who do their research. And that's one thing I like about you, Lynn, so I want to talk about that. But, you know, like for me, for example, I remove the underlying, like, foundation on why you're ill. And then Lynn would actually bring in, uh, you know, the, the physicalness of, you know, what works, the maybe the medicines or the technology, whatever it is at, you know, at a, at a you know, at a physical level uh, to get people better. And, and, and I think this time, Lynn, I don't think we're going to be squelched because in the past, you know, people who brought in fantastic remedies, you know, for cancers and all that stuff, well, they found themselves dead, you know, and, and then that, that, that got buried with them. But I think the new consciousness that's coming in um, is really proving that this time the truth will stick and, and, and it'll stay strong. So I don't know. How do you feel about that? Well, you know, Mass, we've been, <laughs> we've been the subject of a lot of targeted attacks over the years. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a very concerted effort to shut down us as an information source when our publication, which was a newsletter for many years, uh, just, we decided to make it a magazine, an international magazine. So when we first put it on the newsstands um, in 2012, by 2013, there was this huge concerted effort. And every so often, that kind of thing boils up. But, you know, my background, as you say, I'm not a doctor, Maz. I'm, a, I'm an investigative reporter by training. Yes. So... Um, we know what to do <laughs> to fight back. Right. And we did. I mean, we had we were attacked from every source. They were trying to shut down our uh, distribution channels. Mm -hmm. uh, they wrote to stores uh, with threats of all sorts uh, to get us out of the stores. Mm -hmm. And what happened was not only did we fight back, and they also planted stories in the media, well, we fought back as journalists. We would say, I know the Times, uh, they planted a story in the London Times about us that was completely fallacious. Mm -hmm. And so we wrote back on social media and said, you call that a story? 
you didn't do this, 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 you violated all kinds of journalistic practices. That's terrible journalism. Mm -hmm. And we got even the Times very, very flustered. Um, their journalists started trying to, to write back. And our readers started defending us and boycotting the stores that pulled us out. Eventually, we got placed back in all those stores. So that's beautiful. That kind of criticism, that kind of resistance mm -hmm. to holistic therapies has never gone away. Uh, one of the doctors who's going to speak on our special COVID panel we're having on the Get Well show, uh, mm -hmm. which is, by the way, it's November 12th to 15th, this virtual show. And uh, you can check out everything about it on getwell.solutions. But um, this COVID panel, we have a doctor there who has successfully treated and healed patients of the most dangerous and serious um, levels of COVID-19, even people with cancer, big, serious underlying conditions. And the government authorities, instead of applauding this hero, I mean, this is a qualified medical um award-winning doctor mm -hmm. they tried to shut down they they got the uh, federal trade commission against him for mm -hmm. false advertising because he was so pleased with his results he put it on his website and wanted people to just you know to to have this information for free right. so there's that there's also a huge shutdown of information against the official lines on things like COVID and also alternatives for things like cancer. So the battle hasn't gone away, but we, you know, are happy to take up the fight. Yes, definitely. And, and, and again, I think, um, you know, I get that way as well. You know, my, the, the technologies, uh, you know, that I use uh, or the information that I use obviously, you know, pushes against, you know, individuals and they, you know, they fight back or they poo-poo me or not, you know, that whole system. So let's, let's talk about, uh, well, the power of eight. I'm, I'm excited to talk about that and how, you know, we create, we can create, say, a higher level of strength. So the truth can actually like flourish. Um, let's talk about the power of eight and how you started it all, Matt. Okay. Well, because I'm a journalist and a skeptic at heart myself in the sense that I need to have proof and evidence that things work, mm -hmm. um, I, back in 2007, well, really back in the late 1990s, mm -hmm. I started researching why, uh, why people can use things like spiritual healing or distance healing because right. it seemed to violate everything we know about how the world works. Right. And that led me to writing my book, The Field, by talking to a lot of physicists and mm -hmm. frontier scientists and finding that each of them had a piece of a, a puzzle that together compounded to a completely new view of the world, right. a view of the world that was much more about energy as right. as the currency of, of of biology and the world right and that led me also to see in some of their studies the idea and the demonstration that thoughts are an actual something with the capacity to change physical matter mm -hmm. so i began looking into that wrote a book called the intention experiment which was also an invitation for people to take part in 
large-scale experiments that I set up with scientists around the world every so often. We set up some well-controlled study, and we ask my readers and participants around the world to take part in this by sending the same focus thought to this target. Well, we've run 35 of them since 2007, everything from trying to make seeds grow faster to influencing subtle you know, uh, properties of leaves to purifying water, changing mm-hmm. its pH, to lowering violence in war-torn areas, to even healing someone. And of those 35, 31 have shown measurable, positive, mostly significant effects. Right. You know, wow. So that was amazing, but it isn't the interesting part of the story. The interesting part of the story is an accident, which happened in 2008 when uh, my husband Brian and I were, my husband Brian Hubbard, and I were um, sitting down trying to think about how I would do this in a workshop because, um, you know, we'd have this, some real initial success with these big intention experiments. So I kept thinking, how can I scale this down? And I, I was just kicking around. I said to Brian, well, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll put people in groups of eight or so and have them send healing intention to a member of the group with a health challenge. And he's a good headline writer. He's also a journalist. And he said, yeah, I love it. The power of eight. Mm. And that's totally how it started by accident. We had our first workshop. We put people in groups of eight. We figured it was going to feel very relaxing, like, you know, getting your back massaged a little bit, that Mm -hmm. there wasn't going to be any big effect. But after we had the groups together, we had them do an intention to remember the group with the health challenge, had them come back the next day, report on their results. They said things like this. I have cataracts and I'm 80% better. You know, I have a knee that is is very painful with arthritis and I'm walking norm, normally today. You know, I've got depression and it seems lifted today. You know, and on and on and on, it went like that, Maz. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was dumbfounded because right. I'm not a healer. I'm not, I never suggested I'm a healer. And I didn't really believe this. I thought it was a placebo effect until I kept having groups and experimenting with it. And I found over and over the same things happen to the point now where I've run thousands of groups and see these miracles every day. I mean, last summer, a woman in a uh, audience of about 700 where I was speaking, I put the people in groups at the end of my talk and Mm -hmm. she was in a motorized wheelchair. And at the end of the 10 minutes when her group sent her intention and I was asking for feedback, she Mm -hmm. stood up. Now, wow. we were all absolutely dumbfounded, but that's the kind of miracle that I see all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, I mean, w- with my work as well, um, you know, so it, it kind of reminds me of uh, Nikola Tesla's uh, comment. So the day science begins to study uh, non-physical phenomena, uh, it will make more progress in one decade than all the previous centuries of its existence. So that's what we're getting into, and it's becoming more and more solid. But, you know, 
it, it kind of flusters me that, you know, the stuff that we talk about, it, it's nothing new. It's been timeless. And like you said, a lot of physicists uh, understand it. But why isn't, why isn't it um, um, mainstream? Well, Although I it's think... it's the leading edge. You know, we, I mean, the stuff that we... It's the leading edge, but like I said, it's timeless. It's been around forever, but then uh, it's largely ignored. So, well, yeah, I mean, you know, as they say, science advance, advances one funeral at a time, Mass. And, you know, the people I wrote about who were the so-called frontier scientists in my book, The Field, mm-hmm. um, it was the field was actually a history. I wrote that and it was published in 2001 mm-hmm. and 2002 in the States. And the scientists had been carrying out their groundbreaking work mm-hmm. in the 1960s, the 1970s, the 1980s. Wow. So my book was essentially a history, a modern history. Mm-hmm. And their ideas, and these were all eminent physicists and engineers and biologists, one of whom was, uh, you know, had... They, they considered he would be up for a Nobel Prize on his other work. Mm-hmm. So these were real eminent people working in prestigious places like Princeton University. Um, but their ideas are so, their discoveries, I should say, are so radical that they will essentially overthrow the existing paradigm because, you know, science is a religion essentially science is a and it's a story you know science is just a story Uh, we think that it's filled with finite truths that exist forever but you know new discoveries are being made all the time that supplant the chapters that have been written before and we're just on the brink of a completely new understanding of the world a completely new science and these pioneers are writing that new story or they've written the new story and it's going to take some years before the status quo to accept it because also that threatens jobs livelihoods and a uh, perceived view of the world and that's what it is you know you're talking about major paradigm shifts and in the main science works by just reaffirming the existing paradigm right and you know you bring up a a good point reminds me of you know the reason why to me when i look at like cancer for example um you know if there was a cure for cancer well cancer has turned into billion you know more than a billion dollar industry per year and you know it's like if they cure cancer just look at how many people will be out of work look at how many you know companies are um, you know, going to be, uh, you know, out of commission and all that. So it's like, well, it's like, it, I think uh, this consciousness or humanity has to go beyond, say, the uh, the wealth aspect or the money aspect, because money is a huge driver in in a lot of things. And I think it really squelches, you know, the advancement of new technologies. Absolutely. I mean, money is, you have to realize that the pharmaceutical industry, uh, which is, of course, responsible for the main cancer treatments, as well as everything else, is one of the most, uh, it is one of the wealthiest 
most profitable industries on the planet right now. I mean, the to be honest, the heads of some of the um, the uh, drug companies that are working on a COVID-19 vaccine have rubbed their hands together and said, it feels like it's Christmas. Wow. Um, and what they, what they mean by that is with so many people waiting for, and so many governments saying that the real solution here is a universal vaccine, mm-hmm. the, you know, the pharmaceutical industry is just saying, wow, just think about, you know, billions of people getting this vaccine. So I am not suggesting that they engineered the virus. Right. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think that this was a, a giant Christmas present for them. So you're right, and it'll be expensive. It'll be expensive, and you're right. Money is the main dra- driver of right. health, the health industry, and the most expensive treatments are essentially the phar- from the pharmaceutical industry. Mm-hmm. The drug, you know, the drug industry has very, very high prices, and subsequently very very large profits right um which is kind of crazy uh it's really sad but i think uh through this through this crisis uh instead of going deeper into that paradigm uh, of the old i think we're breaking a lot of paradigms and you know a new emerging uh like identity or a new emerging uh understanding of what we're really about is coming forward Uh, and you kind of talk about that uh, in the field and in your new podcast, Living the New Science, uh, you describe the leading edge science that is emerging. Um, like, well, for me, actually, I am the, I actually am living the leading edge science. Um, but you present a huge amount of information. But can you tell us a little bit about this new science here? And, you know, maybe you can describe it even Sometimes I I have a hard time describing what I do or the logistics behind that. So if you want to take a stab at that. Sure. I I don't know if I can describe what you do, Maz, but I can tell you about the new science. Mm -hmm. Um, And what, what we're really understanding is that we are not as... Newtonian science, the science of 300 plus years ago, which is our conventional science at its core, says that we are well-behaved separate objects operating according to fixed laws in time and space. That's what Isaac Newton essentially described. He described a world where uh, of separation, essentially, so that we, you know, we are separate entities and as are all the objects in all the world but the newer science says no we are actually at our core at our subatomic level vibrating packets of energy Mm -hmm. all trading energy and information with each other all subatomic particles aren't like little billiard balls they are objects They are vibrating energy packets rather than finite little objects. And they're constantly trading information all the time. And that gives rise to a giant field, a thing that my scientists have called the zero-point field, which has Mm -hmm. been known in quantum physics since the early 1920s, that there is so much energy out there in empty space that uh, it's enough 
if you were sitting a yard away from me to boil all the oceans of the world. So that it's that energy dense. Now, there's a couple of big implications in, in the idea that we are all part and parcel of a quantum energy field. And a lot of people say, I, I, I want to do this to enter the field. But I want to emphasize, we're actually all in the field. We're, we exist in the field. We're like a fish swimming in, a, in water. And the right. field is our water. So we right. are always in it because we make it, we make it up. In fact, a better analogy is we're a drop of water in that ocean. So, uh, so one of the really important aspects of this is quantum waves have an infinite capacity to store inf information. And when we talk about quantum particles, they're also waves. Um, and they carry on into infinity. So they, when they bump into other quantum particles and get other information, they essentially take on that information. So you wanted to put the Library of Congress on a sugar cube or, or put it in a, a wave of information, some quantum waves, you could fit the whole of it into a sugar cube, the whole of the Library Con Congress, which has every book in the world. Now, the other aspect of this is they go on to infinity. And so it gives us a kind of mechanism, a medium, by which we could describe everything from um, distant healing to paranormal activity like um, ESP or remote viewing or even intention. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of an interesting idea, this, that actually this giant, this mothership of information carries all the information that ever was, and we can access it um, through various mechanisms. Now, the, the other thing that these scientists talked about that's really important is the idea that consciousness is not sitting inside the brain. Consciousness does not equal brain. And you can see that easily in your story because you had a near-death experience. Right. And I don't know your individual story, but many, many of the near-death experience um, people who have come back from being clinically dead were completely conscious during right. that near-death experience. Right. I don't know, was that the case with you too? Uh, yes, uh, I was completely conscious of, say, the process that I went through and even, you know, through the tunnel of light and all that, uh, I, was, uh, I was completely aware of everything that was happening to me, uh, although I was disconnected from space and time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what and they, that is a very common description. I'm very interested in both near-death experience um, uh, people, people mm -hmm. who've gone through an NDR and um, or NDE, and also people who've gone through a coma because they describe the same thing of um, being completely conscious of everything was going on when you know they were undergoing that experience. Now, if the brain, if mind equals brain, and the brain was not functioning at all, it's analogous to saying that uh, the computer was still on when the computer was unplugged. Right. And we know that, you know, that that is, <laughs> that's just not the case, that people were, you know, they were experiencing 
and their bodies were in complete shutdown. Their brains were in complete shutdown. They were declared clinically dead, mm-hmm. and yet they were fully conscious of everything going on. So yeah. mind cannot exist inside the brain. No. And that is evident in so much of the work that I do, that you do, to right. demonstrate that thoughts are essentially trespassers and can go out there and affect other people and things. Exactly. And uh, the mind or the physical brain is actually uh, um, like a mechanical aspect or, uh, uh, you know, that what it, 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 it manufactures what we already know at a deeper level. So you have like a higher brain that comes through and then the, the mind or the physical brain again uh, turns it into this reality from, from what I see. So, mm-hmm. uh, which is really, so, and we're getting more and more into that. And I want to talk a, a little bit about uh, DNA because in my work that I've done over the years, I've come to realize it's almost like uh, epigenetics or, you know, it goes beyond epigenetics uh, from what I do. And I'd like to get maybe with your help, Lynn, get some uh, physicists or scientists to help me, you know, prove my abilities, um, not to prove them, but to show the scientific, say, footsteps uh, that, that it takes or that I take to, say, create those changes for people. Because it is, from what I'm seeing, um, uh, you know, like a, a transformation in DNA when you can start, you know, reverse aging people, when you start to, when they start to, their physical structure changes, when they stop, you know, getting ill like their parents and so on. Um, it's all about DNA or, or the nature of DNA. And uh, in one of your podcasts, uh, you speak about the Russian scientist, uh, Peter Garyov. Garyov, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who made some incredible discoveries about the quantum nature of DNA. Uh, can, you, can you tell us uh, a little bit about his findings? Well, he found that essentially he could use certain techniques to uh, essentially wake up uh, seeds that were dead. And he found uh, numerous things that other scientists have also seen about uh, DNA having holographic properties. Um, And I'm fascinated by also the work of uh, a number of scientists who found that DNA um, is essentially a, uh, it has a communication system that is a system of light. Uh, Mm -hmm. The late Fritz Albert Pop, unfortunately, a lot of these scientists have passed on now. Right. Um, uh, Dr. Pop, who was a German physicist, discovered that all living things uh, emit a tiny current of light and that this light is coming from DNA, and it's a communication system in the body Mm -hmm. uh, and global system. So that, for instance, if you put medicine on one hand, it will also show up uh, and change the light there. It will change the light everywhere else in your body too. But also that this light beams out and is essentially a communication system with other organisms and that there is light that comes back. It's almost like a communication system back and forth. So if you and I were sitting across from each other, we'd be having a real conversation and also a conversation of light. 
So they found that, and they've also found when you talk about epigenetics, that you know we always think the DNA is uh, the driver of our bodies. It's the complete blueprint, mm-hmm. and that we are slaves to our genetics. But uh, scientists like Dr. Bruce Lipton and many others have found that we don't get built from our DNA. We get built from outside in. We mm-hmm. get the DNA and genes are like keys of the piano. They're just sitting there quietly waiting to be played. But what plays the keys are environmental influences like the food we drink or the food we eat, the water we drink, you know, the friends we have, you know, Mm -hmm. the sum total of our environment, those play, they, they activate a quartet of little atoms that sit above every gene. And that in turn plays the piano, plays those, those DNA keys. So now you mentioned you'd love to have these scientists study your work and tell you how you do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure they'd be able to because they're still looking at mechanisms of yeah. healers. You know, healers who have real abilities in distant healing, and they're not sure. What they'll find is is that certain things happen, like healers will change those light emissions. They've been measuring that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Or healers will increase magnetic energy or electromagnetic energy. They see that a lot too. But as for trying to understand completely the mechanism by which they do this, they're still really, really at the starting base. Because yeah, this is all new paradigm stuff. Yeah, and there's, you, you know, you're right if you think about, because uh, there's, there's some, um, you know, institutes and so on that, that have studied, studied me and want to study me, but um, their techniques are so primitive compared to the level. So I don't think we even have machines that could do that because it, it'd have to be beyond this reality or beyond space and time to understand it. But I was thinking more of like footprints, which is actually, uh, to me, I think it's, it's um, really exciting because we're stepping into that new frontier uh, of human potential uh, through this crisis that we're going through. I think this crisis is really about, you know, breaking away from the old, really forcing us to see things differently, uh, and then, you know, coming into a new frontier. So do you want to talk a, a little about what you see as far as, you know, maybe the upcoming future or what you'd like to see? I know you, you might not be able to, you know, step into the future or read the future, but what do you see or what would you like to see? Uh, as well, far as- I think it's really interesting what's going on now because we've had for the first time, you know, a lot of things going on with this global pandemic and a convergence of a lot of systems that are breaking down. You know, I'm one of a number of people who have been predicting for many years now that we are at the end of days in terms of the current way of life, that things are breaking down. And when I talk to some of my buddies in the same field, mm-hmm. um, for instance, Dr. Lipton, as I mentioned, Bruce Lipton, 
he mm -hmm. has found that um, there are there have been uh, six, well, five times where we've gone through major extinction and major changes like this and upheavals where oh, things right. have changed massively. Mm -hmm. And there's a prediction for a sixth one. Now, I don't mean everybody on the earth is going to die, but that we're going to have to massively change what's going on. If you look at um, astrology or astronomical, I should say, things going on, there's some really strange convergences of planetary convergences. Yep. There are very strange things yep. going on with the sun and almost complete lack of sunspots. Um, a, a number of things are going on like that, but just on a physical level on Earth, when you look at what's happening, what's happening now uh, as a result of the pandemic, I think will be a major, major uh, economic upheaval um, yep. and a big change in values. And here is the good bit. Mm -hmm. I think what's gone on is, you know, we've been operating according to a fallacious idea. And when we talk about that science, you know, science writes the story we live by. And we've not only lived by Newtonian science, but also the prevailing paradigm has been a Darwinian one. Right. The idea that life is competition. Life is a struggle. Right. And that we better damn well get there first, or there isn't going to be enough to go around. Well, that prevailing pa paradigm of life is war has been the thing, the driver of our economic system, of our educational model, of pretty much everything. Right. Now, when you have that kind of ongoing competitive model, you know, well, ultimately you eat your own children, essentially. And that's what we've done. Our economic model is now destroying the planet it's destroying exactly. lives it's creating a huge disparity between rich and poor and so and so it's going on now this pandemic coming along actually has filled me with some hope in the sense that we've had to accelerate very rapidly mm -hmm. the end of this paradigm because i think we're going to see Made such major upheavals in our economics that oh. we're going to have to really operate essentially by a different system. And I think we're also, what's coming to the fore when we are denied so many things, like being able to connect with family, being able to do and go where we want, right. that suddenly the paradigm we had, a real emphasis on getting and spending, is now that value system is crumbling. And we're now saying um, we have to do things a little differently, I think. And so I am hopeful that this is not a, a terrible situation. This is an opportunity. Obviously, I'm not talking about people who have lost their lives in the pandemic. That is terrible. And but what I also think is this is another opportunity um, for holistic medicine mm -hmm. to come to the fore and to really be valued because it's going to be the thing that keeps us all safe from a pandemic and also keeps us safe in the future. 
Totally. And, you know, whether, uh, and I talk quite a, quite a, quite a bit about that as well, where, you know, the, the pattern of sacrifice to gain something, that pattern, what you just talked about is, is becoming obsolete. <clears throat> and we're seeing that, you know, once we resonate in our completeness, then everything around us will be complete. And, you know, there's no competition, there's no eating your kids and, you know, all that stuff that we thought was real. So I'm really excited about the future. Uh, I wish we had more time to talk. Lynn, um, I'm really excited about the Get Well Show. Do you want to uh, talk about the dates again and how they can access the Get Well Show and, any, and to connect with you? Absolutely. So Maz and I are both going to be speaking, and we're going to have about 70 experts in just about every area. You know, everything from, as I say, spinal problems, joint problems, serious illnesses, autoimmune, diabetes, uh, you name it, menopause, children's health, um, all kinds of issues, mental health, and how to heal it with all kinds of um, incredible, holistic, and very detailed systems. So you'll get that. You'll also get incredible discounts, goodie bags, and all kinds of things, and just a plethora of information about how to get well or how to stay well. And you can find out more coming on our website, getwell.solutions. We're holding our virtual show, live and virtual show, on November 12th to 15th. You'll get a chance to talk to these um, incredible experts. You'll get a chance to go around our exhibitors, interact with them, find out information, get free treatments, get uh, all kinds of discounts and more. So check it out on getwell.solutions. That's fantastic. And again, Lynn, thanks for taking your time. Uh, as always, it's always good connecting with you. And um, Please uh, give a big hug to your husband there. Great. Thank you so much, Maz. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.